You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask for the power of your presence this morning to be with us, Lord that the tongue that will speak will be instructed by you and only permitted to say that which is acceptable to you. I ask that you help us to understand the kingdom that is in our presence. Lord, we pray for your blessings to be upon us. We ask all these things in the precious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm sure every one of us has experienced this, although may not be willing to admit it. For me, it's almost a current event every day. Whether it's myself or my son, we'll be in the van looking for a specific piece. Ten minutes goes by, fifteen minutes goes by. What are you looking for, Dad? I'm looking for this. Try looking at your left foot. There it is. All of these things around, I'm so preoccupied at looking through all of the other things that I fail to realize that what I'm truly looking for is right there in front of me. But it's not just me. That happens to Nathan too. He'll be gone for a period of time and I will shout to him, Nathan, what are you looking for? Tells me what he's looking for. It's right there. We have a saying on the job site. Good thing it wasn't a rattlesnake because it was that close. If it would have bit you, it would have been done. I think it was about four months ago. I came home from work one day And on the kitchen island, my wife has her sewing machine all set up. I believe she was making masks for her family. As soon as I walked in the door, she said to me, did you do anything with my extension cord for the the sewing machine? I'm innocent. I am innocent. You know, we put hardwood flooring in there, and you may have moved it. I didn't, Katie, I didn't touch it. A period of time goes past, and all of a sudden I hear the sewing machine. I walk outside, I walk into the kitchen, I say, where did you find it? She bowed her head. It was a pull-out cord. (laughs) Sometimes what we're looking for is right in front of us. But for whatever reason, we're not able to see it. A next scenario. You know, 15 years ago, I had to go through an event that put a lot of radiation on the right side of my jaw. 
So whenever I have any type of dental issue on the right side, I have to have very specific attention given to it. So I had to have a root canal on this one tooth that was beginning to show signs of trouble. So I went to this endodontist. Do you remember what the reading was last week from James? Be quick to listen. When you're in a dentist chair, you are quick to listen because you can't say anything. They got all this stuff in your mouth and they're talking to you. Well, this time they didn't. It was an hour and a half procedure that they were working on this tooth. For the entire hour and a half, the dentist, the endodontist, and his assistant talked about one thing only. At that time, the lottery was up to $800 million, and in that hour and a half, they had spent it already. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, as I'm going through this, hmm, I have to come back in six weeks. I wonder if I'll be seeing a new endodontist, because the bottom line was, if I win that, I'm not coming back here. <laughs> so sometimes we look at outside resources on how to somewhat fulfill the need we think that we have. But we as human creatures have a, a very specific policy that is placed before us while we're very young. You know, I was of the age that I was able to start kindergarten at the age of four. So I was a junior in high school at the age of 16. So I took a co-op, and I got out of school at 1 o'clock, and I worked full-time at Just Born Candy, 3 to 11 shift, as a junior in high school. You know why? Because I came from a very poor family. My family, all of us kids got one shirt, one pair of pants per year. You know what that's like as a junior in high school? So I went and got a full-time job so that I could buy clothing. Well, that begins the inundation of the whole human experience, if you will. Because after you start buying clothing, then you want to buy a car. And then after you buy a car, there are other things you would like to purchase. And then you get married and you buy a house. And you fill the house. And then if you're like myself, who loves tools and is a contractor, you buy all these tools and all of the things necessary to perform a business. The part that I didn't understand until later was that I truly believed that I owned all that stuff. That I had traded time for money, and I took the money and I purchased that, and for some reason I thought I owned it. Until one day, in the scripture, I realized that I didn't own a thing. I was only permitted to manage that which had been given me. I was the manager, not the owner. You see, in early Genesis, God claims ownership over all he has fashioned. Humankind, you and I are owned by God. Therefore, we are called to manage our lives 
according to his will and purpose. So you see, there are some times that we're looking for something that's obviously right in front of us but cannot see it. There are some times that we think that if we can somehow, by chance, win a large sum of money, we can fill everything and it'll all be good. But just like the endodontist, that evaporated and drifted away. And then we come to our predicament that most of us experience, that we go out, we participate every day, but we somehow fail to realize that we don't own a thing. You can't take anything with you. At best, what you can do, possibly, with the help of Gene, is maybe determine who will be the next manager. That's the best you can do. And you may not even be able to do that. So it brings us to a point of sober understanding that everything around us needs to be seen more clearly. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like. Not just like. It's not describing what heaven is going to be as an experience, but what it is like. So we have to understand the word kingdom first. Kingdom means jurisdiction in that realm. The governance of God, his universal dominion, management over all that he has fashioned. When Pastor Jenkins began the Sermon on the Mount, it began in chapter 4 with Jesus speaking out and saying, the kingdom of heaven is near. How do we understand that? God's jurisdiction, his governance, his universal dominion. Jesus is coming to tell us what that entails. That's how we know what the kingdom is and what the kingdom requires. Jesus begins by telling us that spiritual things just folly to the unspiritual. Spiritual things make foolishness of what we know in the regular world. How can it not be seen today that the very first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When we look around in a world that seems to be spiraling out of control, we do not have an excited spirit about what's going on. We're poor in spirit because we see these incredible things being not used properly. We're poor in spirit, but we have the kingdom of heaven. We have God's jurisdiction over us. We have his universal management to watch over us at all times. We took a look also under Pastor Jenkins, the fact of 
being righteous. What is right in God's sight? These are the things that Jesus is now telling us, preparing us because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. Sometimes right in front of us, but we don't see it. We forget to pull it out. Someone has to point it out to us that it is there. Sometimes we think that we can change our whole perspective and situation maybe by chance. We'll play the lottery. Maybe that will change my life and its course direction. Or maybe it is when we're caused to realize that we don't own a thing. That we are the manager and that God is counting on us to manage what he has given us correctly. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. That's why I gave the three stories. Three different ways of not being able to see that treasure, to realize that treasure. But Jesus comes and tells us now that when we do discover it, when he shows it to us, we go back and we sell everything we have so we can buy the field. Jesus is not saying that we can purchase the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is telling us is that we have to surrender everything to his jurisdiction because we don't own it. He does. How would he have us use these things? How would he have us participate in the world in which we live? precious treasure awaiting us. So Jesus is explaining all of these things that will take place, why they take place, what we should not do, what we should do before he accomplishes them for us. Because you see, we're powerless to bring it about. It has to be done for us. He's explaining it to us. And then, then, his blood upon the cross is shed for the forgiveness of sins. It is not until his blood is shed that we are forgiven our sins. It is what is spoken when you receive his body and blood. Do this for the remembrance for me. This blood is a new covenant in my blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. And then on the cross, we were in Christ on the cross. When Jesus was crucified, we were in him. And we were crucified with him. So that old nature 
that wants to hang on, that goes against God, that goes against the kingdom, was put to death on that cross. But it has to be realized. It has to be reckoned in your life. You have to understand that in your baptism, you were placed in Christ on that cross. And what was accomplished on the cross is accomplished in your life. That's the treasure of the kingdom. That you were not only forgiven your sins by his blood, but sin which dwells within you in your human nature was also taken to that cross and was put to death. And when Christ was resurrected, you, through your baptism, are given new life in Christ. And this is why we surrender everything to him. Because he has accomplished it all. We don't do anything on our own mindset any longer. We asked Christ, how would you have me manage this? How would you have me manage my time, my possessions, myself? This is the treasure that Jesus is pointing to. When you look at the third parable for today, the parable of the fisherman's net, where the net is left down and it is pulled in and the fish are separated, the good from the bad. Jesus says, so shall it be at the end of the age. There's also a piece in that Romans text that tells us we profess this in our creed that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. The only begotten Son. But in his life, death, and resurrection and ascension, he becomes the first begotten. Who comes after Jesus? You do. We become adopted as children of God. So it's pretty simple. You got two kinds of kids, right? You got good kids and you got bad kids. How we manage our life according to what Jesus is proclaiming to us that the kingdom of heaven is near. We don't have to hunt for the treasure. We don't have to go out and have incredible resources to receive the treasure. What we need to do is surrender our life to him, then the treasure's ours. And we are children of the Most High God. And when we look at that third parable in today's lesson, we shall feel a sense of gratitude and relief that God loves us so much that he will not condemn us we will be in his eternal presence. That is the kingdom of heaven realized in our life. Amen. Amen.
Sleeping, my presence, my life. 